calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You're listening to Pixels and Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 8 What kind of person does that? Jamie asked as they walked with Dex toward the train station. Trashing things for the fun of it? Don't they realize that some poor soul has to deal with it? Well, if that's the point of it. You really think it was targeted at her? Dex shrugged. She wasn't exactly forthcoming with potential suspects, but no one wants to admit they pissed someone off enough to make them come back with glass breakers and buddies. He broke off, thinking. Hey, did that look like a multiple-person job to you? Jamie nodded. I got at least two sets of footprints off the crap in the floor, they said. Why? Well, unless Lisa's a lot more interesting than she seems, I can't see her getting a group riled up enough to pull this off. I wonder if I've been barking up the wrong tree. If you've been what? Sorry, Dex laughed. It's an old expression. It means going down the wrong path. Well, it's not really your path to go down, Jamie said as they approached the train station. But I do appreciate the help. You know, you weren't too bad on the real streets, Mr. Virtual Detective. We could use someone like you about now. Don't tempt me, kid, Dex said. Now go file your report before I make a rash decision. Jamie smiled and turned into the train station. Dex watched them go, thinking that it had been a bit of light-hearted banter, but Jamie was right. He had missed working cases out here, and he was good at it. There was something about pounding feet on a solid, dirty, real street. And it was true that the squad probably could use another set of feet on the street. The temptation was real. Dex's system pinged a couple of times on his way home, but it was just the M-City squad. Nothing was labeled as urgent, so he swiped them away. He wanted to stay in the physical world a little longer. He took the long way home through the Pieton. The wide boulevard with trees, public art, and benches still struck him as the kind of fantasy most people escaped to Marionette City to enjoy. For over six decades, Dex had lived in a highly functional, if colorless, city, where changing neighborhoods was an exercise in exchanging one version of gray utilitarian buildings for another. But most of Europa was different. Cities and towns had retained at least a flavor of their heritage. The inhabitants of Nice, in particular, had fought to keep as many of their historical buildings and public spaces as possible. Sure, there were plenty of industrial complexes and high-rise corporate apartment blocks, but there was also more. There was a feeling of humanity here that Dex had never even known he was missing. Moving here had been like coming home, as much as that made no rational sense. That Annabelle lived here had been no small part of it, of course, but when he'd told her he wasn't moving only for her, 
he'd been telling the truth. It was like living in a world of black and white, and then waking up one morning to a 128-bit color. Dex breathed deeply, the scent of the trees mingling with a deeper, loamier smell. The warm breeze off the Mediterranean brought a sweet salt tang, with an undercurrent of what he now thought of as low-tide smell. The scent of the coast rarely reached as far inland as his apartment, but it was only a thirty-minute walk to the promenade. He vowed to put the effort in to get there more often. What was the point of living somewhere if you didn't take advantage of its perks? Not today, though. He turned north instead of south, heading back to his apartment. He'd spent the whole morning helping Jamie, and little fingers of guilt were kneading the back of his mind. In an eerie confluence of timing, his system pinged again. This time it was Mac Larson himself, on a person-to-person line. Dex kept walking, but subvocally answered the call. I'm glad I got through. Larson's gruff voice was laced with what sounded like genuine concern. After the explosion, I was wondering if things had kicked off over there and we just hadn't heard anything. Dex looked around at the people out in the warm afternoon, walking, laughing, sharing meals. A songbird trilled peacefully from a nearby power line. It was about as far away from kicking off as he could imagine. No, everything is fine here, Dex said, tamping down the ever-increasing feeling of being caught in the middle of something. A rash of minor street crime, but I understand that's not confined to this jurisdiction. And the bomb? It wasn't a bomb, Dex said. At least there's no evidence of that. From what I hear, the official word is accident, but they're still looking into it. So you don't think it's related? Larson asked, his voice taking on a sharper tone. This isn't some major issue we all need to get in front of? Don't think so, sir. Well then, Mr. Dexter, can you explain why you have been unreachable for the past 24 hours, when this roster I have here shows quite clearly that you were scheduled to be on duty? Oh, shit. The little fingers of guilt curled themselves into a fist. Not really, sir, Dex said. It seemed more important to be helping with the situation out here, but... He knew the guilty feeling was his own subconscious telling him that he'd fucked up. It was time to own up to it. But it probably wasn't. Larson sighed. The thing is, whether it was or wasn't a better use of your time isn't the issue. It's not your call. Yes, our organization is decentralized, and yes, we all have a lot of individual latitude. We aren't a corporate security department, but we are an organization. We have squads and divisions and assignments for a reason, and as much as you might like to think so, it's not so people like me can get high on the power. It's so that the people we serve all get a fair shot. That's the reason this whole business began, Dex, you know that. To give everyday people, who didn't have access to some firm's security, a chance at something that looks like justice. And it's no less unfair when you're the one deciding what cases do and don't matter than it is when it's head office of Gractor or Monotech. Am I making myself clear, Detective? Christ almighty, Dex hated Mac Larson. And it was much, much worse when the man was right. Crystal, sir, Dex answered, and thanks for the reminder. Dex felt like a heel. He was glad that Annabelle was still at work when he got to the apartment. He took a quick shower, ate a food brick, then silently berated himself for putting off the inevitable. He got some supplies, a bottle of water, some crunchy snack food supplements Annabelle had gotten him hooked on, and settled himself into the chair in his office. Time to pay the piper. He logged into M-City and linked straight into the vestibule of the office block in Kanzai District, where Mac Larson's squad was based.
Dex rarely showed his face in the office, a perk of his position. But today he marched his avatar past the receptionist, who gave him a cordial nod, and walked into the squad room. There were only two other avatars in the space. Dex recognized Hattori Summerdale poring over a colorful chart, but he had to bring up an identity overlay to get the name of the other person. A translucent tag hovered over the head of the tall, dark-skinned, female-presenting avatar paging rapidly through a vid file. Ruby Magoro. Dex recognized her name from the reports, but he'd never seen her avatar before. That was pretty terrible. What kind of a teammate was he? How many of the squad had he never even met? They both obviously knew who he was, though, because once his presence was known, they both looked up and greeted him by name. What brings you here? Summerdale asked, no hint of malice in his voice. Dex figured that Larson had kept his rebuke private. Typical. Dex didn't even have the luxury of being able to sensibly apologize to these folks. I've got a bit of downtime, Dex said, wondering if you could use another set of eyes on anything? The other two avatars froze for a brief moment, and Dex was fairly certain they were exchanging a few side-channel words. It didn't last long, though, and Magoro said, That would be great. She showed Dex the video she was analyzing, explaining that one of the independent tea shops in the Borderlands district was having repeated attempts to disrupt its Reds code. They haven't had a problem yet, she explained. The automated countermeasures are working fine, but it keeps happening, and we're trying to see if we can figure out the source. You think it's a specific attack on the shop? Dex asked, thinking of the busted-up storefront he'd walked through earlier that day in Nice. You'd think so, because it's a repeat attack, Summerdale said without looking up from his chart. But to what end? If it were actually doing some damage, I could see it. But their system catches the incursion before it can have any impact on the res itself, so it's almost a case of no harm, no foul. Why are you, uh, why are we involved, then? Preventative measures, Summerdale said. And curiosity, Magoro added. Like, if you're specifically trying to mess up this tea house, surely you'd quit wasting your resources on an attack that doesn't do anything. But what if it's just a test case? Or an error? Or... You can see why another viewpoint on this might be helpful, Summerdale interrupted with a chuckle. Ruby and I have gone around in circles on this one. Well, I'm happy to take a look, Dex said. I'm no great shakes with code, but I'll do what I can. He walked over to a desk and asked if it was free. Sure, Magora said. Just don't move anything around. Susanna likes everything to be tickety-boo. Gotcha, Dex said, wishing he'd picked a desk other than the one used by Susanna Bells, the second-in-command. But he wasn't about to waste more time worrying about where his incorporeal form was pretending to be. And it wasn't as if Dex using the desk prevented anyone else from using it. It was a virtual construction that could exist in as many versions as was required. People tended to interact in M-City as if it were a one-to-one -one analog of the physical world, but of course it wasn't. Dex grabbed copies of the files Summerdale and Magoro were working on, and they appeared to materialize on the desk in front of him. He understood why they had gotten sucked in by this case. It didn't seem to have any significant repercussions, but it was a puzzle. Just like Zahara Zhang's mysterious benefactor was a puzzle. And why an otherwise perfectly good power store would catch fire was a puzzle. And who knocked over the Techloid shop was a puzzle. Puzzles were addictive. And like many drugs, giving up one often meant taking up another. It might not be his first choice, but Dex could get his fix with this puzzle for a while. He settled in and started to read over the files. You've been listening to Pixels and Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne.
For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.